Hey, we're gonna be in 1 John chapter four, verses seven through 21. Did you guys know we have more rain coming this week? Can you believe that? So if you go back to like the end of last year, we were out by Lopez Lake and it was really, really dry out there. And um, I talked to a local and uh, he said it'd probably take seven years of our regular rainfall to kind of fill that thing up. And, and I think they thought that when they built the lake, when they built Lopez Lake back in the 60s, I think it was in the 60s. And um, they said it would take like years for the lake to fill up and it filled up in one season. One, one rainfall filled the whole thing up to uh, spilling over. And um, so, yeah, in early January, Lopez was like, Lopez Lake was under 25%. And then by mid-January, the lake had filled up to 50%. And by March, Lopez Lake was at 90%. And then by March 23rd, 2023, the headlines read, Lopez Lake reaches 100% capacity, spills for the first time in 25 years. Now, if you've been around here for like the last 25 years, you've watched how desperate Lopez Lake has been and to see it full again, I know people were taking special trips out there just to see the lake spilling over. It's pretty, pretty incredible after you've watched it be dry for so, so long. There's actually not like a high water mark for Lopez Lake because once it hits that full spot, it just begins to spill over. And so we're actually titled the message today, Spilling Over, and uh, with the idea that God wants to fill us to overflowing in our lives. And so we're going to be talking about love today and uh, kind of unpacking what that looks like, because the very best, the high water mark for believers is that we would love really, really well, that we, the world will know that we're followers of Christ by our love, right? We're being evaluated by our love. And so we're talking about love today. Jesus modeled for us what that looks like. He talked about it. He, he taught on it and the apostles did. And now John here in 1 John chapter 4 verses 7 through the end of the chapter will be discussing that with us. Listen, we can do a lot of things as the church, but if we don't love really well, we're in trouble. If we don't love better than anybody in the world, we're missing the point of the gospel. We're missing the point of our, of our assignment here in the earth. We've got this powerful responsibility to love. Jesus set the high water mark for believers. He told us to love. He told us to love our neighbors, and he told us to love our enemies. Why did he have to add that second part? It's pretty, pretty easy and pretty acceptable to love our neighbors, to love those who love us. But Jesus actually tells us to love those who hate us, who are our enemies. We need to realize that we wrestle not against flesh and blood enemies, but we're in a spiritual battle. And part of that spiritual battle has to do with people with flesh on, people like us who have different opinions, different ideas, different thoughts. And we need to figure out how to love them really, really well. We have had this profound responsibility. And I tell you what, my life is a lot lighter and I feel a lot more free and a lot less burdened when I'm just choosing to love people in my life, especially those who don't deserve my love. <laughs> There's a lot of those people, right? There's a lot of those people. As we look um, at a few verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love 
chapter in the Bible. We're going to look at about 16, in eight verses, there are 16 different characteristics for, for the body, for us. God is calling us to love in this way. So we're not going to unpack it today, but I just wanted to, just for point of reference, just read this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. Again, it's not on the screen because I just added this this morning, but I just like to read this to us. It says this, if we speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Like if I can do all kinds of incredible things, but if I don't love, I'm just an irritating noise to the people around me. This is how valuable and important it is that we love the world, that we love one another, we love the people in the world. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. So like everything pales in comparison to this high call for the church, for the people of God to love and to love really, really well. In fact, nothing else matters if we're not loving really well really well. Verse three says, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. (laughs) Powerful truth. Love is patient and kind. So some of us are being convicted right now because we're thinking about people in our lives where we're not being very patient and kind. People in our lives that we wish would just plain go away, right? (laughs) So love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures All things, love never ends. Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. We have this profound opportunity to, I like to frame it in that way, instead of a a responsibility, although it's absolutely a responsibility, we have the profound opportunity to love people and to allow the Spirit of God to love us. And so that's a supernatural thing, right? We think, man, I could never love that person. Given the circumstances, I could never love that person. We need to insert there, accept God, unless God works. If you think about the lake and all of the lakes and reservoirs and the streams and rivers that have filled up, it it seemed impossible that they would fill up unless years go by, years of rains go by, and they finally, over time, it fills up. Unless God decides that in a season he's going he's gonna to make a deposit in the earth and in our lakes and reservoirs, he's going to fill it up. He can do the same thing in our lives. It's a perfect illustration of God's ability to confound science, confound our expectations and do something wonderful and supernatural, filling up those lakes and reservoirs. He can do the same things in our lives. In fact, I believe that God can do in our lives in a moment what might take in the natural years and years to accomplish. If we'll just open ourselves up 
to a deposit from heaven, God can do wonderful and supernatural things. But we got to open ourselves up to heaven and expect a wonderful and supernatural outpouring of God in our lives. So in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8, there are 16 characteristics of love in those eight verses. And I want to tell you this, Jesus lived that love out as he went to the cross to die for the world, including his enemies. Jesus lived it out. So we're being told in the scripture by Jesus, we'll get to some Jesus verses here. Uh, he's telling us to love, love our neighbors and our enemies. We're seeing that the early church, the writers of the New Testament are, are encouraging us, challenging us, telling us to love one another. It's a big, important deal in God's economy and in his kingdom. Jesus lived that out for us in his life and ministry, and ultimately when he went to the cross to die for the world, including his enemies. Jesus died for you and me, and he also died for those, listen, who were actively killing him. <laughs> he died for his enemies. You ever have people in your life, you feel like they're actively killing me, like with everything they do and say, like they're actively snuffing out my life. They're just so hard to deal with and to live with. Well, Jesus understands. He understands everything that we've ever struggled with, especially in this area of loving impossible people. Jesus died for you and for me and also for those actively killing him. He died for his enemies while we were yet sinners. The implication of that verse, that's truth, is that while we were enemies of God, separated from God by our sin, while we were in that state and in that position, Christ died for us. Jesus modeled for us what he expects from us. Why? Because he is love, because God is love. And love is not just a characteristic of God. Love is God's essence. It, it is who he is through and through. One commentator wrote, God is love means more than God is loving or that God sometimes loves. That could be said of all of us, right? <laughs> We're loving and sometimes we love. It means that he loves not because he finds objects worthy of his love, but because it is his nature to love. And so while we were yet sinners, not because we were worthy of his love, because of his nature, he's chosen to love us. Then at the cross, in his earthly ministry at the cross, when we came to faith in Jesus, he expressed his love and his grace toward us and actively like, Currently in our lives, whenever we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness because he loves us. He actively loves us. It's not something that was just happened in the past and now it's, now it's true. Now he actively loves you. In all of your sin and shortcomings, God actively loves you. It's a supernatural thing that God does. Let's take a look at our text in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. John wrote, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. I, I counted the word love or beloved 20 
28 times in these 15 verses that we're gonna be studying today. 28 times, almost twice for every verse. In verse seven, four times. In verse eight, twice. In the balance, we, we're gonna, 28 times. Do you think it's a priority for the writer of this, uh, this book to us? Do you think it's a, a priority of God who inspired the writing of this book for us? It's absolutely a priority and God's gonna show us what that looks like as we go on. Verse eight says, Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And so the bar just keeps getting raised in God's expectation that we would love. He's saying if you choose not to love, because it's really a choice, if we choose not to love, we're really demonstrating that we don't even know God. Because if we really knew God and understood the love that has been given to us and the grace that has been extended to us, if we really lived in the reality of our desperate need and the reality that Jesus loved us and died for us and gave himself for us, boy, we would recognize the, the, the greatness of that gift and think differently about those in our lives who seem impossible to love. We would think differently. We would have a transformation of our thinking and our understanding. And maybe that's what is needed. We need like to open ourselves up to a deposit from heaven where God supernaturally would reveal to us the importance of love and the gravity of love and the power of love and the possibilities and the opportunities if we would just choose to love as we allow his love to flow through us. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So the title of our message today is Spilling Over. We wanna be spilling over with the love of God, with the grace of God. Like our lakes and streams, they're, they're spilling over because they've received a deposit from heaven. In the natural, we'd be having the same conversation, conserve water, don't wash your car, you know, don't take a shower, do all that kind of stuff. We'd be having the, na the natural conversation, but because we've received a deposit from God from the heavens, the story's completely different. In the natural, the story is desperate and lacking and longing and wanting, but supernaturally so we have the resource and the strength to do what God has called us to do. And so we, we, we need to open ourselves up to a deposit from heaven. If you're open to that, just go ahead and raise your hand. If you, you're like, I need, like this, this is an impossible ask, right? Because there's people in my life that I'm not just irritated with, but there are people in my life that I hate. <laughs> Maybe? Yes, absolutely, right? Like I had an, an encounter with a guy that I've known since he was just a little guy and I'm like, hey, what's going on? And he's been so angry at me and blah, blah, blah for reasons I can't get into. And he just, he just scowled at me and I, let, I allowed it to get under my skin and I'm like, what's he so angry about? He's just a grumpy old dude and blah, blah, blah. And, and I realized that I was, I, I realized, hey, we wrestle not against flesh and blood enemies, but there's a spiritual battle out there. And so when I began to realize the, the lostness of this person who's just so angry at me, it began to change my own heart and begin to think differently about this person. And like a, a, a Christian should, I began to try to love him and pray for him. And that's really, for me, that's where it's got to start. It's got to start in my heart, my mind. I, I'm like, Lord, help me to love this person 
Lord, help me to model something of grace to this person. I don't want to see this person ever again in my natural, but supernaturally, I know that you've called me to a higher calling, like you're raising the bar in my life. So what does spilling over look like? It just looks like loving one another. Number one, God calls us to love one another. Let's take a deep breath. I feel, I feel like I need it because I'm like, this is hard, Lord. Okay, you're calling me to it. That must mean that it's possible. I gotta believe that if you're calling me to it, that you're going to show me what that looks like and you're gonna empower me to do it. And there's something good on the other side of it. Like if we just stay in the, get in the moment for just, just talk to God about what he is expecting, we know that some good things are gonna flow. God calls us to love one another. What does this love look like? Well, in the New Testament, there's about seven, but we're gonna focus on four types of love that are most predominantly used in the New Testament throughout the Bible. There are four different types of love in the Greek language that we'll look at today. Like I said, there may be six or seven. In the English language, we got one word for love. Like I love tacos, I love my cat, I love my wife, I love, you know, whatever. It's like one word. But in the Greek, there's the word storge, storge, S-T-O-R-G-E. This is the type of care that exists between family members. So this is a familial type of love. It can also be experienced among friends and companions. It's longer lasting. It goes beyond an initial infatuation or attraction. It's built on familiarity between people. The emphasis of Storge is on devotion and intimacy that develops over time. So that's one type of love. Then there's Phileo love, Philadelphia love, brotherly love. This most often describes generous warmth for another. The basis of this common bond is shared beliefs or values or interests. It's a, it's a brotherly affection, sisterly affection that we have one for another. And then there's eros. This kind of affection is meant to describe a healthy, sensual love between husbands and wives. Romance and physical attraction play a part in it. God gave us this kind of desire with the clear instruction to express it only within the bounds of marriage. And so there's the first three, and then there's agape. And this is that supernatural love that is needed to do what God has called us to do. Anytime in the scripture where God calls us to love one another, he's calling us to agape one another. We see it in this text. Every word for love in this text is agape. It's that agape kind of love. And this is what it means. Agape, this type of love is probably the most talked about of the four kinds of love that we see most often in the Bible. It is the highest, most complete form of affection. And God's foundation for us is the foundation of this love. And Jesus gave us many lessons about and examples of agape love. It's a strong, 
selfless and sacrificial kind of love. It's the kind of love that Christ loves us with. During his earthly ministry, Jesus reminds us over and over again that we are called to show this agape to God and to other people, whether they are friends or enemies. We see it in Jesus' writings in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is, again, a supernatural kind of love. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we're to love God and our neighbor with this agape, kind of supernatural, kind of self-sacrificing type of love. In Matthew 5, 43 through 46, Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And we would say, amen to that, right? (laughs) That's easy, right? (laughs) But Jesus didn't stop there, and I'm glad he didn't. I'm really glad he didn't. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven for he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. When Jesus was being assaulted and crucified, what did he say? Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. They they don't know what they're doing. And they were in their darkness and in their blindedness, they were crucifying the Son of Man, the Savior of the world. And Jesus, with a tender heart, because of his sacrificial love. He prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And we can have the same heart as our Savior. And with difficult people in our lives, we can say, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. They don't realize the what the, the, the danger and the, the difficulty that they're causing. They, they don't realize that maybe there are people who don't know Jesus and they're just kind of lost and just reacting venomously, so responding in a negative way. But maybe it's people within the church who are just kind of in a dark season. Have you ever been in a dark season of your life where you're not really reflecting the person and the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ? You're acting more like somebody in the world than somebody within the church. We're all in different seasons of our life, and sometimes life is just harder, and we don't respond the way that we should respond. And So maybe we say, Father, forgive them. They, they don't really understand what they're doing. And so maybe for people in the world or people within the church, we need to extend that same kind of love and that same kind of grace and forgiveness. God calls us to love one another. Number one. Number two, God shows us what love looks like. Thank you, Lord, that he shows us what love looks like. First John 4, 9. In this, the love of God was manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live 
through him. So God's love, as we see in this text, is sacrificial, and it's life-giving. God has called us to live in a sacrificial, life-giving way. And I, I tell you this, when you're walking in the freedom, having decided to forgive and to love, especially the difficult people in your life, it's a sacrificial thing, but it's a life-giving thing. And when we choose to forgive and to love and to let things go, man, our whole burden is lifted. We don't even realize how burdened we are and how worn out and taxed we are when we're choosing to hate people or to be unforgiving toward people. I know hate is a strong word, but I think we're seeing hate more and more in our culture. And we can look at the culture and say, man, I, I really hate this culture. But you know, the culture is just made up of people. And we wrestle not against flesh and blood enemies, but we're in a spiritual battle. And so if we can say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And if we can choose to love the culture, not love what's going on in the culture, but love the people within the culture, because it's those people that Jesus came and bled and died for. It's those people, just like it's us, that Jesus loved and cared for and died to save. So God's love is sacrificial and life-giving. It's, it's not easy. That's why it's called sacrificial. I think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Knowing what was coming, he asked God to intervene. Jesus prayed in Gethsemane. You know, prayer is how we find strength to love people who don't deserve our love. And for me, that's where it's, it's got to start because I need a, a heart change. I need a heart transformation. I need my mind to be changed. And so when I can begin to pray for the person that I'm struggling to love, it just begins to change my mind, to begin to change my heart. There's something powerful when we just engage God and we have conversation with him. Sometimes our prayer is, hey, God, I need this and this, and I wish you'd do that and that. And, and really what our prayer life needs to look like is it needs to be a time of, uh, there's an acrostic act, adoration, confession, uh, thanksgiving, supplication, acts. And so there's adoration where we just adore the Lord. We worship the Lord like we did this morning in song where we just take the first few minutes of our prayer time and we just worship Jesus. And then we take some time just to confess our own sins. It's easy to point out the problems in somebody else's life, but when we start confessing our own sin to the Lord, boy, we get a little less critical and a little less harsh and a little less judgmental. And then we begin to thank the Lord for his grace. We begin to thank the Lord for what he's doing in our lives, and we, we begin to soften as we do that. And then we make our supplications. But I tell you, if we start with supplications, our prayers, our needs, our wants, those things... It's going to look way different if you start with that than when you end with that. Because when your heart's been changed through that process of adoration, confession, and thanksgiving, your heart's tenderized and softened. And now you're praying for something altogether different, where in the beginning you might have prayed, Lord, help that guy to get run over by a truck. <laughs> right? That's like, the, that's like our prayer, like if we're angry, right? But man, if we take the time to soften our hearts, then we begin to think differently and pray differently. We say, Lord... I don't know what's going on in that person's life, but would you help me to show them your love? 
And it's a total transformation because our minds are changed, our hearts are tenderized, and we're just in a different perspective. So don't start with the prayers of supplication, but start with a proper perspective and, and change and allow the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to change your life. Prayer is how we find strength to love people who don't deserve love. Agape love is given supernaturally. Supernaturally. So it's it's not a natural love. It's a supernatural love. And I say this maybe <laughs> too often, but I say everything that God requires of us requires his supernatural grace and power working through our lives so that we can accomplish it. Everything that he's asked us to do requires his supernatural grace, the person of the Holy Spirit in us, the word of God being lived out through us. It requires God at work with us doing what he's asked us to do. So agape love is not natural, it's supernatural. You can't give it, you can't actually give it without God's help. <laughs> you can be nice to somebody for a moment without maybe God's help, but to do what God has asked us to do, to supernaturally, uh, 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 what's the word, what other word I'm looking for? It's an S word sacrificially, thanks babe, I knew you'd help me with that. <laughs> Supernatural sacrifice, it's that kind of love that God is asking us to love and we cannot love that way without God's help. The other types of love we've discussed today are given naturally. They're kind of a response to what we've experienced in a given situation. Storge love, that familial love, you know, that's built over a period of time. It's, it's, it's kind of a you know, I love you, you love me, we're in this together. It's that kind of thing. Phileo, uh, brotherly love, same thing. Um, it's based on common understandings and beliefs and values and that sort of thing. Eros, all natural reactions to people who are close to us in our lives. But if we're honest, they can be a little flimsy. Like I've watched relationships fall apart for the silliest of reasons. And if we're not committed to agape love, that sacrificial love, if we're not committed to that kind of love, then it doesn't take much for some of these love relations, these types of love to begin to fall apart. They're, they're mostly conditional. And that's why God has called us to love better. He has called us to love better with the supernatural God love called agape love. So even Jesus in his earthly life and ministry, struggle, struggled to love this way. You say, well, that doesn't sound right, but it is right. Let me explain. Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, prayed to the Father for help before going to the cross. In Matthew 26, 36 through 44, it says this, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He knew what was coming. He was in the garden just prior to his arrest, false accusation, crucifixion, and burial. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful. Even to death, remain here and watch with me. 
And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus knew that he was sent to the earth to die for the sins of humanity. And he knew that it was going to be an expression of God's love for the world, but he also knew it was going to be a significant sacrifice in his own personal body. And so he struggled and he prayed, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death, remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed saying, my father, if it be possible that this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Some of you have been through hard seasons and maybe, just maybe you've been angry with the Lord for allowing it to happen. You've been in difficult seasons where you feel like the Lord has, should have stepped in, should have kept something from happening, should have protected you from something and for reasons only he knows, he didn't. He didn't step in. He didn't protect you the way that you thought he should and would. And so maybe there's a break in your fellowship with God because truth be told, you're angry, frustrated with God because in your estimation, he's fallen down on his job. Jesus was there and he knew what was coming. And and his natural man, he's praying for an escape, and he didn't get it either, but he also understood the bigger kingdom purpose of his work in the earth. And I'm sure that whenever the Lord allows us to go through hard things, there's a bigger kingdom work that we may not fully ever grasp or understand this side of heaven. But if we can, with Jesus, say, nevertheless, your will be done. And if we can keep a tender heart and just take the next step of obedience and the next step of faith and the next step of trust, we will ultimately, this side of heaven or the next, we will see what God had in store. And then we will rejoice. Truth is we can rejoice now knowing by faith that God's up to something good, even if it means a difficult season for us. We can see by faith that on the other side of this, God will be glorified. God will accomplish his plans and purposes. On the other side of this, because God is sovereign and good and faithful, I believe and know that something good is following. If we can just keep the attitude of Christ and just stay humble and say, nevertheless, Lord, I don't know why this is happening, but nevertheless, Lord, your will be done. Your kingdom come. And again, he came and found them sleeping, verse 43, for their eyes were heavy. 
you sometimes feel like you're all alone. Like Jesus, you know, his buddies were there, his inner circle, and he said, hey, just pray with me. Sometimes it feels like we're all alone, just us and God. And, you know, that's not God's designer best, but we can know in those moments that we're going to be okay because God plus us, well, that's a majority, and with God we win. <laughs> but I'm just challenged us. When we've got friends who are going through hard stuff, stay with them. Be the church. Love them through it. Sometimes we're confused and perplexed by their decisions, by what they're doing, but we can lovingly Stay with them, challenging them where we need to, challenging them, speak the truth where we need to speak the truth, but let's stay with them. But ultimately, we just need to stay with the Lord and watch what the Lord will do. So leaving them again, verse 44, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Jesus knew that God's love is sacrificial, and that God's love is life-giving. And he knew that that sacrifice on the cross would mean life. He've come that we might have life and a life abundantly, that we would experience grace and truth and forgiveness and new life in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 10, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is the, the payment. <laughs> it's the payment on the cross that averts or stops the wrath of God from coming to sinful people. So in the cross, the wrath of God was averted. It was stopped. It was poured out on Christ so that we might not experience the wrath, but the expiation of God, the forgiveness, the cleansing, the pardon of our sin. Verse 11, beloved, if, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. <laughs> if we can really get our minds and hearts around the reality that God loved us in our worst state as much as he's loved us in our best state, we can choose, we can decide, and really it's a decision to love others in their worst state as well. God's love is sacrificial, life-giving, and it is our model. We are to follow Jesus. We are to listen and emulate Jesus in our lives. Christ modeled love for us. He showed us what, loves look, what love looks like. Number one, God calls us to love one another. Number two, God shows us what love looks like. And number three, God's love, and we need to hear this, God's love in us is evidence that we belong to him. So having said all that we've said, we know from the writings of John that the love of God in us is actually evidence that we belong to to God, because our lives, especially the longer we're with Christ, will begin to reflect the beauty of Christ. Our lives will look completely different the longer we're in fellowship and in communion with God. Verse 12, 1 John 4, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected 
in us. That's his desire, that the world would see the love of his people, of God's people, and know something, get a glimpse of the love of the Father, the love of the Savior, so that they might come to know Jesus as Lord. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. So again, we talk about this a lot. The Holy Spirit's been given to us as a deposit for better things to come. Jesus said, I must go. I must leave so that the Holy Spirit, the helper, can come and fill you. So the helper can come and give you what you need to do what I'm calling you to do. What is the fruit of the Spirit, the first in the list? Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love. So the evidence, the out, the outflowing of the presence of God, the Spirit in our lives is that we would love. And we would love better than the world loves. We'd love differently than the world loves. We would love like God has loved us. Verse 14, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Verse 20 says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. John's words, not mine. God's words through John, not mine. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him Whoever loves God must also love his brother. We've got a profound opportunity to demonstrate to the world God's love in a supernatural way, in ways that we can't do in the natural because agape is supernatural and only can be expressed as it is experienced as God gives us the ability to love that way. So I would ask you the question, are you spilling over today? Spilling over with the love of God or is something hindering your spilling over? Is there unforgiveness, hatred, a lack of love in your heart that's hindering your spilling over? The grace and the goodness and the love of God just spilling out in your life, touching others, impacting others. And God calls us to love one another. He shows us what love looks like and our love, God's love in us is evidence that we belong to him. So let's stand and let's do some business with the Lord. I'm gonna invite the worship team up. And Lord, as we get ready to worship again, we wanna worship in spirit 
and in truth. And so, Lord, we want to do business with you because we've heard a message that has been challenging, that has been confronting uh, some ways that we've been living. And Lord, we don't want to, we don't want to be disobedient or out of step with you, but we want perfect alignment with you as much as humanly possible. So Lord, I want to take a personal inventory in my life and I want to make some decisions today to love. Maybe you're here today and you've been hurt desperately by somebody. I remember as a little boy being molested a number of times. I knew along the way that I needed to release those people and choose to love them by letting that go. It's a sacrificial love. And instead of hating them, I've chosen to pray for them. And when, when we choose to pray for somebody, that's an act of love. It's an act of obedience. And so I'll never have a relationship with those people. Don't want it. Never, never will have it. But that doesn't mean I'm going to hold on to that unforgiveness and that bitterness. I'm, but I'm going to let it go, and I'm going to think differently about those people. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. So, Lord, I, I pray that if there are people in our lives that have hurt us, God, that we'd find the supernatural ability to pray for them and to extend grace and love to them. Lord, we need your help in this today. And I would imagine until we're raptured out of here, we're going to need your help in this side of heaven. So I pray, God, that you'd help us. And I know that we gather Sunday morning to hear a message so that we can align our lives with you. So help us to do so, we pray. We love you, Lord, and we're thankful for your sacrificial, life-giving love that you constantly show to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.